This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Welcome to Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Addie. And I'm Tommy. And you are listening to Series 4, Episode 13, Disarming Methods. And let's start it off with some announcements. Uh, we've only got one announcement, and that is please send your questions into post-game chatter. Uh, at the end of every series, we sit down with the cast and talk about what happened and what we thought about it. And uh, part of that is answering all of your questions and responding to your comments, um, etc. So uh, make sure that you get those into us. You can submit those questions through Facebook, Instagram, or or Twitter, uh, we are at Essential NPCs. You can also email us at EssentialNPCsPodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, www.EssentialNPCs.com. Uh, post-game chatter happens after the finale of the series, uh, directly after the uh, actual play portion of the episode. Uh, and if you submit a question for post-game chatter, we will answer it. Uh, so that's it for announcements. Let's move on into Words with the GM. Hello. Hi, GM. Hello. This Words with the GM Hello. is for Series 4, Episode 12, Supply and Demand. Uh, so we get up to a lot of things, and I'm sure some of those weren't things you were expecting. Um, well, uh, one thing I definitely wanted to have happen was a chase through the market. I was glad I was able to make that happen. <laughs> um, that wasn't frustrating at all. <laughs> Um, but, you know, just like with any other uh, uh, session of an RPG, you know, some of it is planned and some of it is done off the cuff. You can prepare really, really interesting things all the time as a GM. But sometimes, like, the most memorable scenes are the ones where you're just making it up as you go along and everyone is digging it. And you just kind of, like, feel that groove. Uh, and you you have to weigh those, uh, those moments sometimes uh, when a party splits up. And they're trying to achieve the same objective effectively. Uh, and you kind of have to decide, uh, do you want to uh, give both approaches the the same amount of efficacy? Um, like, I knew that Talia was on a track that would lead to uh, your guys' uh, success should she not fumble along the way. And I could have very much just as easily created some characters at the bar who maybe had some information for Zeke and Barnabas. But what you would run into at the end of that, uh, after both scenes were resolved, was uh, best case scenario, you guys get exactly the same information. Yeah, like we reconvene and it's like, hey, I found this out. Us too. Great, let's go. And it, and it almost lessens uh, the success of both uh, sides of the party. It's like, well, why did we split up at all? One of our, pro one of our approaches could have just gone horribly wrong. <laughs> um, and, uh, I try to reward my, my players when, uh, they choose a course of action that I may not have prepared for, um, and may not actually be necessary to the plot. Uh, in this instance, 
Talia was on the track that needed to, or that I had already created for you guys to find your target. Uh, but I didn't want to just write off Zeke and Barnabas. They had chosen to do something. I didn't just want to be like, yeah, you guys go up to the bar. You ask some people some questions. They don't have anything. You wasted your time. Talia gets the floor now. Bye. Like I wanted to have Zeke and Barnabas have like something come from their efforts. And uh, so I, they said they wanted to find some big burly guys. And I think they were mostly looking for people who might look like criminals or thugs. Uh, and instead I took that and ran with it. And I was like, you find the biggest of guys. <laughs> uh, and like, I'm like, and they're having a great time. And like only halfway through my description of these characters that I decide that they were like a Cirque du Soleil act. <laughs> and then, uh, Honestly, if Zeke and Barnabas hadn't spent two princes on uh, drinks for the night, <laughs> I, two of my princes, <laughs> I definitely uh, would have had them roll some cunning rolls to try and uh, recruit these guys to your cause. But the fact that they were just plying them with massive amounts of free alcohol, uh, that was enough for me to be like, yeah, these guys are your friends now for the night. They are definitely 100% on your side. They think everything you're doing is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, because of that, I was like, you guys affect you, you recruited some mercenaries. Uh, and, uh, I think my, my uh, uh, unrelated to all of that, I think my biggest regret is that I didn't give those three guys names. <laughs> and I thought about it throughout the, the episode and I decided like at some point that their names were Untu and Twa. <laughs> and, and in my head, in my little head cannon for uh, when they come and help you guys and uh, each one of them like, like one rams, uh, the lady throws her up over his head, the other one jumps up, grabs her and throws her to the ground so the other one can like jump and land on her with his knee. I imagine them going as they hit her going like Un, tu, tua, and then landing and then striking a pose with their hands up in the air and that is uh, that is my version of the scene in my head that's so great I love um, that yeah and all of that was just because you know the players had decided to do something that I hadn't anticipated and instead of uh, shutting them down because another player had decided to go down the path I had already created I invented a path that led to something awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a great takeaway. Um, you know, to to give all of your players a chance to do something even if it's not like directly in line with like whatever the GM thinks is the goal of the scene. Like the point of RPGs is to like have fun in whatever world your GM is creating. Mm -hmm. And so as a GM, I think a lot of times we can forget that. Um you know, and like, be like, okay, cool. Talia's doing the thing that I want. Yeah. These guys, you know, they're doing their thing. Uh, so good job guys, you drink and then like Talia, I'm going to focus on you. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was handled really well. Um, because you know, you weren't just like goal focused at the end, like you let us kind of explore the world. Um, and I, I, I know as a player, I really appreciate that kind of stuff. And it was super helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this combat scene's over. <laughs> so let's uh, talk about our favorite moments. While we're in the, uh, uh, while we're talking about um, uh, rewarding players, uh, my favorite moment uh, as a GM for this session uh, is the, the fact that um, uh, I've kind of given covert the power to, uh, as Barnabas, invent 
cultural norms um, throughout the the different countries in Relusia, uh, and and then I just go, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> like in this in this instance of this episode, he was just like, well, don't you know it's horribly bad luck in Zeta for uh, for you to go out the backside of a tent, like. He said that, and instead of me being like, well, that's not how it is in the world, and blah, 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 I was like, yeah, no, Barnabas is right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I love it because you can – it's not every day you can get a rapport with one or more of your players uh, where um, you guys kind of have created this in-joke where uh, you, know, you see eye-to-eye on it enough that you can give a player the narrative power to create an aspect of the world uh, that becomes a thing. And, and uh, I love that Covert and I have kind of hit that stride where I'm like, yeah, if Barnabas says it's, a, it's an aspect of a culture, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and run with that Covert. And then uh, he does, and he comes up with hilarious things that I can then use later. Whereas like you guys like knock out a bunch of people. It's like, all right, we got to sneak them out the back. And then Undu and Twa are like, we, we, we can't go out the back. We'll go out the front and meet you around. <laughs> we don't want that bad luck on us. We have a performance tomorrow. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was my favorite moment. Um, what about you? What was yours? Um, I have a guess. <laughs> I bet you know what it is. Does it have to do with hats? <laughs> yes, it is the scene at the haberdashery. Uh, it, that was um, some of the most fun that I've had, uh, on this campaign so far, um, kind of everything's been like either tense or like action filled or whatever. And this just was like this, like crazy chaotic scene <laughs> where like Dan was like, no, that's not what it is. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And I then, said no beans. <laughs> and then, you know, to be able to come in at the end, because I typically play the straight man. So to be able to come in at the end and like hit the punchline of like, none of these have beads on them. <laughs> Like that to me was just like I, I that was like a really great like layup that I could. Well, hit. I mean, <laughs> the haberdashery scene was like a skit out of an improv show. <laughs> you guys were playing off of each other so well that like all of you hit the right moments at the right time. I mean, even Barnabas at the end is being like, "Mr. Zari, <laughs> there's been a terrible accident," and you can just imagine Barnabas just being all derpy and running around like that. Oh man, definitely one of the best scenes of the podcast so far yeah it was really great we all felt really on and so that was really really great uh definitely hands down my favorite moment (laughs) fair enough but um i believe that's enough chatting uh we still have plenty more podcasts to listen to uh so we should move on in to series four episode 13 disarming methods enjoy Hello, I'm Barnabas Gunsby, famous big game hunter and adventurer. I come from common birth, but I've used my skills to make a name for myself. I often go on expeditions to explore the world and its many lost secrets, to tame once wild lands and lay my eyes on wonders few have seen. I've written books of my exploits to help fund my adventures, and while the books have brought me wealth and fame many believe them to be fiction it's cast a sad shadow over my once great career but I have been selected to participate in the great Atroposian circuit 
where I shall prove to the world that Barnabas Gunsby is a true legend of adventure. Hello, I'm Talia Nazari. It's true, I am Varishta royalty, and that's all well and good, but ruling is certainly not my true passion, but a duty I fulfil nonetheless. You see, I'm first an inventor and engineer. Self-taught, but I'm very good, a natural. And I suppose that natural talent has only been helped along by a lot of time spent in solitude. But you should see all the sorts of things I've made, mostly through trial and error. I am certainly not afraid to jump in and get my hands dirty when needed. As fate would have it, being an inventor led me straight into what I believe will be one of the most interesting times of my life. Mr. Cornelius Jollypot has asked me to join his team for that great Atroposian circuit. Can you imagine? Of course I said yes, only bolstered by the fact that one of my teammates is Mr. Barnabas Gunsby, my favourite author. We're sure to have a fantastic time and perhaps even have the chance to win. I can't wait to leave Dalvozia and see the world with my amazing and talented teammates by my side. It's all so very exciting. I'm Ezekiel Quaglin, gnome pilot extraordinaire, but my friends call me Zeke. I grew up in Paldoris before the hurricane wars. When the Aedin attacked, I joined the military to do my part in defense of my people. When it came time to return home, we realized that in winning the war, Paldoras had become an uninhabitable wasteland. The infernal church of Jinzi swooped in to save the day with their city-sized stormships. This spelled salvation for many of my people, and though I was never particularly religious, I was happy to accept the church's appointment as pilot of Jinzi's hammer. I flew the city for several years, but I never really enjoyed living on that mechanical monstrosity. When the Evanglesian Civil War broke out, I quickly volunteered for the Jinzi Court to lend aid to the militarists. Though we lost, I earned admission to the High Flyers, and after the war, used my connections there to become a commercial pilot. It's not glamorous or exciting work, and it barely pays the bills, but it let me fly the skies. When Jollypot offered me a spot on his Atroposian circuit team, I was happy to accept in hopes of retiring to a life of luxury. I mean, even if we don't win, at least it won't be boring. The last time we left Team Jollypot, they were in the uh, merchant hub called The Roost, uh, in the middle of the uh, desert country of Zeta. In order to get the parts needed to create a uh, vessel to get across the vast desert of Azeda, known as the Quist, um, our adventurers uh, struck a deal with a man by the name of Hekaib. He's a merchant who uh, lost contact with an old business partner of his in the middle of them trying to f uh, finish a very important deal. He was worried about getting the product he wanted as well as worried about whether his, uh, his business partner was dead. Uh, and so he hired, the, uh, the, he hired Team Jollypot to investigate um, using their position as outsiders um, to go places where maybe other people might draw attention. 
during their investigation, they found out that the man in question, uh, his name is Saren Pet, uh, was hiding out from some thugs who apparently have been uh, harassing uh, merchants and uh, taking all their stuff without any retribution from the merchant militia, uh, the uh, de facto police force uh, that uh, settles any disputes um, and punishes any thievery. They tracked down the three thugs uh, that Saren Pet said were after him. Uh, and uh, with a little help from uh, some friends they made at the bar, uh, giant uh, physically fit acrobatic men, uh, they apprehended the three thugs and returned to uh, the bar slash desert transport that they were using as a home base. Um, there they uh, intended to meet with Hekaib and also a merchant, uh, a seemingly virtuous merchant militia uh, captain by the name of Said, uh, who apparently was trying to investigate the disappearance of Serenpet as well as other merchants. We, uh, you guys had just gotten home. Uh, all of the parts you needed, Talia, were, uh, delivered so you could start working on the, uh, on the little sand skiff and your three, uh, brutish friends helped you watch over the three prisoners until, uh, Saeed showed up and, uh, he, uh, he looks at it and he goes, so these are them then? Yes. We overheard them talking, confirmed who they were. And these three gentlemen. These are upstanding as Aiden citizens who care deeply about justice. That we do. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. We also are uh, a traveling circus act. If you want to uh, uh, come and see us, we're putting on a show tomorrow morning. I'll probably be busy. <laughs> My investigation into the, uh, the merchant militia looking over the perch uh, was less than fruitful. Um, in fact, uh, disconcertingly so. It seemed like no one saw anything, no matter what I asked, uh, which immediately raises my suspicion. So, uh, hopefully, these three, he gestures to your three captives, who are still bound and unconscious, will be able to shed some light on it. Um... You three gentlemen, um, and he says to the, uh, to the large circus performers, uh, are you, would you be willing to uh, escort these, uh, to carry those three uh, prisoners to the clutch so that I may interrogate them properly? And they're like, of course, and then we should probably go to bed. We have to sleep off some of this liquor. What was that? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Said uh, uh, comes up and he, he goes, how long are the three of you going to be staying in, uh, in the roost? We'll be here another two days. Okay, well, um, uh, due to your assistance, I'll be sure to try and uh, send word of uh, uh, how this shakes out over, uh, over those two days. Cool. Thank you again. No problem. Uh, and he shakes all your hands. I'm not there. I'm over in the corner, still sort of going, like trying to carry things out into my little <laughs> place of working. Uh, he sees you like struggling to carry all of the like materials over. And he goes, uh, gentlemen, could you give her a hand? This is just painful to watch. <laughs>
Don't worry, I got it. And I get big and I help. What the hell? <laughs> oh, it's just a thing he does. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> well, let's get these prisoners back before they wake up. Uh, and um, the three circus performers uh, and Saeed uh, leave. And uh, you guys get all set up. It's pretty late now at this point. Uh, you guys can rest up. You gotta wake up early to go to that circus performance in the morning. Oh, I'm going to stay up a little bit. I'm really excited, and I just I can see everything coming together. And I am going to step really late, and I've got to bring Gerald down too, anyway. So, and I just start working on it. I think it's been four days since Talia slept. It's been pretty close. <laughs> uh, Talia, come the morning, you are going to be fatigued. <laughs> right. Uh, which means your maximum hit points are reduced by one half, rounded down, right. uh, until, you, uh, until you rest up. <laughs> Got plenty of time. <laughs> Barnabas and uh, Zeke, you guys wake up in the morning. You see Talia downstairs. Uh, the bartender's just like... He looks like he tried to like reason with her, but then just like gave up and let her spread across like three tables as she started putting things together. And uh, uh, she's like her hair is just a little bit frazzled, and uh, she she's got like the faintest of bags under her eyes as she uh, as she's been working overnight. Good morning, Talia. Ah, uh, good morning, Mister Gunsby. You what are you doing early here? or late? Uh, is it? It's, it's daytime. It's, it's oh, daytime. I'm up both. Go to sleep. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, she'll be fine. One time I didn't sleep for a whole week. And look what it did to you. <laughs> Fair point. You should probably get some rest, Mrs. Ari. I'll rest in a little bit. Just a little. I have to put these things together. Please. Where are you going? We're going to go see a circus performance. Those three fellows last night invited us to their show. Oh. They gave us free tickets. That sounds lovely. I'm going to yes. be audience participation. Oh, but I'm going to be better audience participation. <laughs> I eventually probably fall asleep on my things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Zeke and Barnabas, you guys go to the show. Um it is a spectacle as you've uh, as you've expected to find, uh, despite the fact that those three guys put down effectively like four kegs of beer throughout the course of the night last night. Um, uh, between like all of them, they are just as they do. You couldn't even tell they were hungover if you didn't know, but you can like see like the like bloodshot eyes. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, they're, you know, they, they do their performance like expertly doing like these crazy like pyramids where like, they're like all doing like the two, like fit ones are doing like one handed handstands on top of each other while doing a one handed handstand on top of like the, uh, the big guy who's like standing on a ball and like balancing on the ball and stuff. And they're like jumping from hand to hand, that kind of shit. It's all ridiculous. <laughs> like they're making like crazy, crazy feats of athleticism. And then they do call for audience participation and they look around making a show of oh. trying to find somebody. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. I'm right here. <laughs> Barnabas waves his hand in the air. Uh, and um, 
yeah, they uh, they see you, Barnabas. I am in the front row. Yeah, and they make another show of like looking around, and then they point at both you and Zeke, and they're like, "You two fine gentlemen, come along, come along." Yeah, this is so surprising. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so you guys go in, and uh, and um, they have like these trampolines set. And they're going to basically uh, jump from trampoline to trampoline, uh, doing these crazy like acrobatic things, and, like catching each other in the air and stuff. And then they're going to like grab you guys and start throwing you back and forth and like catching you and tossing you and stuff. <laughs> uh, and then uh, 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 and then they're going to you know do a similar thing, like by having you guys do like handstands and like spinning you around up above their heads and uh uh, and then finally they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna have um uh Zeke hold up Barnabas <laughs> <laughs> as they like as they hold Barnabas above Zeke and then if you want to you can get big and actually hold Barnabas. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yeah, the crowd goes wild for all of it. Um, every time you guys get tossed up in the air, they're like, <gasps> and you land and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, one of the times Barnabas acts like he's going to fall and the crowd's like, <gasps> and then he totally plays it off. Uh, they definitely stick Barnabas in a cannon at one point to shoot him. <laughs> as, as they're loading him in, you know, this isn't the first time that I've been. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. And, uh, you guys make, a uh, uh, make the show even more great. And then they, uh, then they like meet up with you guys after the show and they're like, do you want to get drinks? <laughs> sure. We, yes. We, we have no, pro- we have no other engagements. Let's drink. <laughs> uh, so you guys drink, for, uh, the afternoon away with, uh, with, uh, your new friends and uh, and then eventually make your way back to uh, the home base to check on uh, Talia, who is asleep on her things. <laughs> and um, you uh, you guys uh, you you're I don't know if you like continue having drinks there. You guys have just moved the party there. But uh, Saeed does come in <laughs> and uh, and he gives you guys basically a report. Um, uh, it turns out. So those three. Uh, 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 Tiana, Zane, and Atta um, were basically paying off two specific merchant militia uh, members um, uh, by the names of Mosey and Ramses, and um, and they basically uh, they would beat up merchants until they just gave them stuff, and then um, uh, anytime they tried to go to the merchant militia. Uh, Mosey and Ramses, if it wasn't them who was directly handling it, they would pressure other merchant militia people into looking the other way uh, with the threat of violence and losing their status as merchant militia, that kind of stuff. Um, because they are part of the Apis caravan, uh, which is one of the one of the larger ones, but not nearly as large as the Asagnu caravan that Said is a part of. Um, so he was able to get Mosey and Ramses branded as thieves, uh, as well as t- uh, Tiana, Zane, and Atta, and they were banished from the roost forever. We'll go talk to Saren, Pat. Okay. <laughs> I feel great. I'm going to start working again. Do you <laughs> see, I switched uh, these two parts, and so it's much more efficient that way. And, All and right, now we'll you catch can you later. extend the. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is surreal. (laughs) 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 Reverse. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you guys go back into that maze of uh, subterranean housing, uh, and you uh, knock on Saren Pet's uh, uh, door. There's a big, loud clanging, uh, and, uh, like, a loud pop. Oh, we got a bottle of wine. Nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, the door opens up and there's uh, there's like a scorch mark on the back wall. <laughs> uh, and um, uh, it's uh, it's Ramla who's opened the door and Saren Pet is stuffing something back in a crate and closing it. <laughs> and uh, he looks over and he's like, oh, what of uh, what of our deal? Uh, we got those thugs arrested. And then the merchant militia members they had corrupted also arrested. Uh, we're heroes of the roost. You're <laughs> safe. Uh, here's the wine for your child, which I'm uncomfortable with, but I, you know, whatever cultures. Uh, um, Ramla just jumps up and grabs the <laughs> bottle from you and goes running off. <laughs> um, can I see the Wumpa before you sell it? I'm very intrigued by this thing. Uh, the 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 Alta Wuma? Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, not quite, but. Uh, <laughs> Okay, uh, yes, but uh, uh, Ramla, and she like nods, and he's like, very quiet. Uh, you too. You need to be very quiet. No sudden movements, okay? Got it. And uh, he goes over and he dims the gas lamp, so it's like kind of like dim and dark. And uh, he grabs like uh, a crate that has like a couple air holes in it, and he, he sets it on like uh, on the table and like very, very gingerly opens it up inside there. You see uh, there's, you know, a little, like, habitat, like a little, like, nesting area um, for uh, a lizard. And uh, the lizard is there, and it's, like, nibbling on something. It's, uh, it's got, like, a yellow front half, a green center, and an orange uh, back half. Uh, and um, it just looks like uh, any other lizard. And it's just sitting there, uh, you know, nibbling on stuff and looking around. It doesn't really seem to notice you guys. Okay. Now we have to very carefully close this. And uh, as he starts to close it, uh, Ramla (laughs) uncorks the wine bottle. uh, And it's like very loud given the fact that the room is so quiet. And uh, the Altawuma like like jolts. And when it does, it splits into two smaller lizards. Cool. And and he like closes it and he goes, damn, Hekaib's going to have my head for that. Okay. <laughs> Wait, so does it just get in, it makes smaller lizards anytime it gets spooked? Yes, and then eventually it will die if it gets spooked too many times. You have to spook it once, and you get the lizard. And then you wait a while, the other lizard grows back into full strength. You spook it again, you get another lizard. Oh. So he's just going to be eating lizard for a long time. That's the idea, yes. Huh. Okay, cool. Yes, an Altawuma is a, is a twinning lizard. Uh, you don't have these in uh, wherever you are from? I'm from Paldoris. We have far worse things there. <laughs> uh, he, he goes, I've heard. <laughs> have you seen the hands? He turns away. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then uh, with your guys' help, very carefully, he takes... The Altawuma, like he wraps it up in like a in like a towel and stuff, and he in with your guys' help, he takes it all the way to the crash to meet with Hekaib, uh, who rejoins you guys eventually uh, to check in, mm-hmm. and uh, he and Saren Pet 
do the deal. Hekaib gives him uh, some hydrofangs, though he does deduct a few of them when he realizes that the Altawuma has twinned. <laughs> and he's like, oh, now I have to try twice as hard to not, <laughs> to not uh, kill it. Serapet, I thought you were a good animal handler. I can't help it. The girl's an alcoholic. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, uh, Hekaib turns to you guys. Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm glad we were able to do good business together. If you ever come back into the roost, you can always count on me. Just ask around for Hekaib. I'm always here. <laughs> of course. It's been great. Thank you so much for your assistance as well. Of course. It looks like you're making good progress. Uh, Talia has now moved out into the street to keep working on, on the Sanskiff, which is really coming together now. It's actually starting to look a bit like what she would, she had originally drawn up, which is basically two bladed pontoons on either side, a raft in the center with three seats and like a single sail sticking up. But <laughs> Yeah, and he, he shakes your guys' hands. Um, then uh, you guys are free for the final day until Talia finishes up that evening. So, yeah, you guys uh, eventually make your way to the edge of the roost. Do you do it at night after, as soon as Talia finishes, or do you wait until, until later in the day? So, um, yeah, I, I was totally intending that we go as soon as possible. So, uh, yes, we'll push it right out um, as soon as I'm ready to go. And we'll take some food with us, I think, probably. Sure. And I get some, an omelet to go. And some water which we can string to the mast. Yep. Um, it's not actually, so it's two pontoons um, with bl- bladed pontoons and then some like catamaran netting. And then they're connected by a little bit of um, like wood. Um, and then there's three sort of like standing seats um, that you can sit in, but like uh, also cl- collapsible. Um, and uh, that way you can rest um and they turn into seat belts, <laughs> um, like while you're laying down. And then there's the mast, and the and the um, the steering wheel is um, part of Gerald. It was the rim of his hat, um, <laughs> and he uh, it, it's extendable. So when you're standing, um, you don't have to get real big. You can just uh, um, pull it down and control it like a windsurfer that way. Um, so. There's basically room for somebody to rest in the front and somebody to rest in the back, and then uh, the person who's driving. Yeah, and uh, uh, you guys can see like certain parts of this, like the bottom of the blades at the bottom of the pontoons are like made out of brass. Like there's there's parts of it that you can clearly see were like you know remanufactured from uh, parts of Gerald, uh, and you also see that like what what little bit she had left of of Gerald Talia seems to have built into a, a, a brass top hat that she's wearing uh, with uh, with Gerald's like eyes turned into goggles on uh, on the band of the top hat. <laughs> well done, Gerald. Never did learn to speak Gerald. <laughs> uh, and uh, yes, yeah, so if we pushed out, all we need is um to go and uh uh as you guys are getting ready to leave that night um you're you know packing up your things you're about to leave the bar uh they do have the radio on and you guys hear a broadcast milestones and surrender this is guy finnegan with the latest updates on this year's great atroposian circuit 
Many of our valiant adventurers have made it through the sixth checkpoint in Zelhos' militant city, Chektacon. In first place, we see the undeniably admirable Team Cornfoot, with Teams Basington and Tally not far behind. This marks the halfway point of the legendary annual manifestation of gallantry that is this competition. Those elite teams who have made their way this far no doubt feel the pride of their accomplishment. Conversely, the inferior teams who have not yet reached this checkpoint have nothing to hold on to but the crushing shame of their inevitable defeat. Indeed, reports are coming in that two of those honorless teams have officially thrown in the towel. That's right, dear friends. The roster of dauntless heroes worthy of participating in the circuit grows smaller. As of this broadcast, the only two teams to have admitted bitter defeat are the bloodthirsty criminals of Team Silver and the opportunistic brigands of Team Nightingale. Despite this, the remaining teams still have a long road ahead of them before they reach the end of their grand journey, and there's no telling who will come out victorious. Will Team Cornfoot maintain their withering lead? What other pigeon-hearted teams will admit defeat rather than complete the circuit? Find out what happens next first by continuing to listen here with Guy Finnegan on Gilded Monocle International Radio. Do you think that they surrendered so instead of, you know, falling to Team Fiddleworth? Nightingale, maybe. I can't imagine Silver would back down from a fight. But perhaps they thought they could just escape? Mr. Silver withdrew them and is now pursuing them? I guess it's possible. Yeah, I don't know. I don't... hmm. So you guys set out in the dead of night. Uh, it's, it's, you know, not super oppressively hot, which is nice. And you guys, uh, you have, you can see because the moon and the stars, there's like no obstruction and you guys just set out over the dunes. Um, I, I take the first driving shift. Roll dexterity Roll for me. Oh. Yeah. Like I'm like, that's a, that's a one. That's a one. Yeah. <laughs> you guys set out. There's like, you know, you, you're putting, uh, you're putting, uh, the roost behind your rudder, you know, you can look back and you see like the lights of, uh, of the merchant hub that apparently never sleeps. Uh, and then you, you know, you, you look up at all the stars and the moon shining down on you guys. And then you look over the, uh, what looks like, uh, in the, in the moon and starlight, uh, the like blue, like never ending sand dunes, uh, that you guys are making good time across. Like you're right on the ridge of one dune, just kind of like slightly like angled as you slide along and uh uh you're just like slightly tilted to the left skidding along the side of this uh the the tip of this dune and um and then there's like a gust of wind and barnabas doesn't compensate for it you guys just flip over upside down and start rolling down the dune (laughs) yeah Um, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, the the mast does get snapped, but uh, with a little bit of time, it, it Talia, would only take me like an hour. Yeah, so at, at max, it. it takes Talia an hour to like put it back together, and uh, yeah, you know, then you guys kind of like get it propped back up, put the sail back up. What do you do now? Maybe let's I try, try that now. again. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't compensate for. I'm still getting used to the old, to the old girl. But if you insist, I do. <laughs> and Zeke takes over. And it's a tier two. Okay, you start skirting along. Um, 
it goes for a while. Uh, the uh, Talia and Barnabas, you guys rest. Um, and, uh, you know, this basically uh, your your guess is that uh, this journey from uh, what is kind of a little bit below the center of Azeda, which is where the roost is, all the way to the northern shore of Azeda uh, is going to take you some time. Uh, it'll probably take you guys about a week and a half uh, to get to the northern shore of uh, of Azeda. Um, you got to kind of go north and skirt a little bit uh, to the west to dodge around some mountains that take up the uh, some of the northern shore. And there's a little like peninsula that sticks out and reaches up towards uh, Sulrai, which is your guys' next destination. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so. It all goes more or less without, uh, without, um, like any event. Uh, you guys, you know, day one, two, three, it's not easy going. You guys start feeling how stiff and hard it is to like sleep on this raft that you've built basically. Uh, you know, it doesn't have very like, it's like a hammock. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's good, but it's not that great. Uh, and after like so many days of it, like you, you actually look forward to the moments when you guys like stop for a moment and like set up camp and like cook and you like, like can like lay on the sand and like not be moving and like rest. Um, but the, the baking heat is a bit, uh, a bit tough. So, uh, I need everyone who's not Zeke, uh, to roll brute for me. Um, there are shades that roll out so there is a little bit like if we stop during the middle of the day there is like a way for us to shade us yeah and and since you guys have like a good supply of like water and everything let's go ahead and give everyone a plus two tier one okay i rolled a nine tier one five okay you guys have two options you can uh take basically a little over two weeks and not be fatigued because you take more rests um, and like stop and like really utilize the shade, which makes the, you know, makes the, uh, the skiff less aerodynamic, that kind of stuff. Um, or you keep the shade up so that it's, you know, can catch the wind better. And, uh, and you, uh, Talia and Barnabas, you guys become fatigued, which means your hit point maximum goes down to, uh, half rounded up until we rest until you guys rest. Um, but it's like kind of like a constant state of like, not fatigue, yes, fatigue, not fatigue, yes, fatigue. So, like, until you guys are out of the desert, you basically will be fatigued. Right. I'm, I'm willing to push at this point. I, I can am... only maintain this thing for a month or so. So, like, I'd rather get through it as soon as possible. Yeah, I'm fine taking some more time at the wheel if you guys need to rest. Okay, so you guys decide to push on and uh, let uh, Talia and Barnabas really feel the heat so that you guys can uh, make good time. I mean, the wind is nice. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Barnabas and Talia, you guys will count as fatigued uh, until you guys are out of the desert and no longer in these conditions. Right. Zeke, you're, you're uh, piloting along. This is near the uh, day eight. 
uh, on the journey. Um, you start, you, you guys have been seeing approaching slowly as you've been making progress, the mountain that the mountain range that you have to kind of go to the West of. Um, and as you go to the West of it, like the terrain becomes a little less sandy and a little more rocky. Um, and you're able to like dodge around that stuff for the most part. You're not like going to like crash into anything. Um, but there are times where like you hit like, uh, uh, like just like stony ground that you have to like really, really be careful, like going over. So give me one more dexterity test. That's a tier three. Uh, so yeah, you, you managed to actually, uh, tilt the, um, uh, tilt, the uh, sail back just a bit so you get a little bit of lift off of the ground so you're not scraping all that brass and ruining your pontoons over the rocks. Um, and at a certain point, uh, you realize you do have to stop uh, because uh, what is a bunch of like rocky kind of wavy uh, ground, you notice ahead of you uh, gives way to a, a, a little canyon. Not so little that it's like it might it might not be impossible for you to like jump it, but it's definitely the other side is higher than where you are. And, you know, if you don't stop, you're gonna, just going to hit that and fall like straight down. You don't know how deep it is. So you pull off. <laughs> right. Uh, and you stop. And you're looking for you guys are looking for like a place to cross. Uh, this is uh, basically a. Uh, like a four meter wide uh, uh, canyon mouth uh, that like winds and it seems like it's built into this like rocky surface that you're on. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and it's really, really deep. It may be like four meters wide, but it's like a hundred meters deep, it looks like. Uh, and like pretty narrow on the inside. Um, but like by narrow, I mean like maybe two meters in comparison to the four meter open top. So it's like a, like a crevasse. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a slot Canyon. Uh, and, uh, uh, you guys are looking for a spot where you can kind of like get the, get the pontoon over it. Um, or maybe like figure out an easy way across. It's definitely not impossible, but in that moment when you're trying to like logistics your way around it, you do in fact hear, uh, 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 something. I want everyone to roll uh, notice for me. Tier three for Barnabas. Okay. Uh, tier three. I got a one. All right. So Zeke, you're doing most of the, like, you're trying to figure out the trajectory that you can ramp off <laughs> of this rock. I can jump it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're convinced you can jump this. You're like, it's okay. I got this. <laughs> uh, Talia and Barnabas, you guys are like sitting under the shade, breathing out. And you're just confused as to how this little gnome can just like not be affected by any of the weather. <laughs> um, and you know, you're panting and, uh, uh, you both hear, help, help, somebody help. Is that somebody calling for help? I think so. You heard it too. I, I thought I was hallucinating. So hot. But you heard it. Well, yes, I've been drinking plenty of water, so I know for sure I'm not hallucinating. <laughs> Mr. Quaglin, I think there's somebody, I think someone's yelling for help. Do you hear it? As soon as you try to listen for it, you hear Help! Oh, hey. Yeah. Please, somebody help! Hello? Hello? Where are you? Are you in the canyon? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. All right, looks like this one's all you, Talia. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, do you have any more rope? Do you have rope? Yes, I have some rope. I don't have a hundred meters of rope. I have 25 feet. All right. I guess I'm going down. I could tie myself to you and climb down or you could float me down and I can come with you. No, because maybe it's, maybe I can just help them out and, and 
and I couldn't lift both of you out. So then I'd have to make two trips and we, you can, maybe you can just get big and maybe it'll just lift, throw it. I'll throw, fix it on throw, the other side. Throw the pontoon over the... <laughs> they, they, I mean, it should soar pretty well. <laughs> it all detaches. So if you just... if Yeah, if we, we fold up the sail and I throw it like a harpoon and then I throw the, the skiff. Yeah, it should work. <laughs> all right. Just don't drop it down. Just If you're going to miss, just miss on one side or the other. If they, <laughs> if they break, I can fix them. If we lose them, we're stuck in the middle of the desert. Yeah, don't worry. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> you might just be able to jump it, carrying them. Based on my experiences in jumping, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Work on it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Zeke and Barnabas, you guys are trying to get on the other side of the canyon. Talia, you're floating down? Yes. I leave, I leave their rope and take my own. Yeah, so it does narrow a little bit as you go down. But like I said, it's still like two meters wide. So you still got like... My wings fit. Yeah, you still got room. Um, and uh, and actually, uh, uh, the very, very base of it gets a little wider again. So, like, it narrows in. Like, you know, and actually, as you go down, it's real pretty. The, the like, the rock is, like, this kind of weird, smooth waviness. It, like, doesn't look like rock. It, like, looks really polished and, like, wavy. And, it, like, it's almost like it was, like, two pieces of a puzzle that, like, pulled apart uh, and uh, and the light actually like shines down, and it's like real pretty as the so sunlight. So I don't have to glow. Yeah, you don't have to glow because the bottom is well lit because the the sunlight just like cuts down in this beautiful like ray that like uh, is like illuminating the bottom. It doesn't look like I'm like descending into an animal, right? <laughs> like this isn't like a really big mouth. <laughs> no, like it's a sandy rocky okay. bottom. <laughs> I mean, not an invalid question in the in the uh, desert of Azeda, but no, you're fine. Okay. Um uh yeah, you and you float down uh, and you land and you hear Are you still there? Yes. Um where where are you? Uh, well, that's relative, isn't it? Where are you? <laughs> All right, just sort of yell every once in a while. Okay. Head your direction. Well, we well we went into a into into a, a tunnel. So look for a tunnel in this in the side of the wall. I do. Uh, roll notice for me to track the sound of this voice to its origin. Uh, Zeke, are you tossing parts of the pontoon over? Um, do I think I can toss it? Like if I. Take the parts apart that come apart and chuck them like harpoons. How do I feel? Uh, yeah, I think I think you you can you can make it. It's only like I mean it's four meters across, so that makes it a little hard to like really jump it. But like at the like the smaller like the closer sections that are more like you know three or two meters across, you can definitely toss them. Okay, yeah, I'm doing that. Sure, I'm doing that then. Oh, you do it as big. You makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, you you clear it no problem. Just. Chuck, 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 chuck. Yeah. Uh, and you guys can try and jump to the other side if you want. There is one section that's like basically like like 12 feet that you could jump over. I throw the grappling hook to the other side. And once it's secure, I tie the rope around my waist. Sure. Uh, so I need uh, you to roll dexterity and Zeke, you're jumping. You also need to roll dexterity. Uh, Barnabas, take a plus three because you're just, uh, you know, swinging and climbing. Tier three. I got a tier two. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, so both of you, through your various methods, uh, Barnabas, you swing down and manage to, like, land on the other side without, like, crashing into the stone. Uh, and then, uh, and then you climb your way up the rope and, uh, Zeke, you just whoosh, just jump overhead. There's like a, uh, Barnabas, there's like a shadow that passes over you as Zeke, uh, Zeke clears the canyon and then he like helps pull you up. Uh, and yeah, you guys have made it and you can start like piecing back together the pontoon cause you know oh, how to put it together cause you took it apart. We're great at this. <laughs> uh, t- uh, indeed. Tier three. Tier three for your notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you find it. All right. Uh, Who's we? Just follow the sound of my voice. My name is Marianne Smallthorn. All right. <laughs> <laughs> On my way. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you uh, and you you see like an open like uh, tunnel. It doesn't look natural. It looks like it was it was uh, made, and uh, uh, right inside the mouth of it, it seems as if it is caved in. Uh, but parts of that like caved in uh, like section have been punched away and you can see like as you come across oh my goodness wait i know you yes it's um uh um and she's like thinking and like you see her like close her head for a second and like like really like you can see like under her eyelids her eyes moving really really quickly and she goes uh uh talia nazari virtue talia nazari yes um uh hi hi um you've come to rescue me then Apparently. <laughs> okay. Um, so we see we, the f- uh, professor. Let's fr- start uh, working on this. Uh, professor Carter and, and Desmond, uh, they're further down in the tunnel. Uh, you see, we found a way into uh, a temple of the sapiens. And, well, you know, we, we couldn't just let that go. We followed all the clues. They led us right here. So we started tunneling our way through. It was structurally, inte- like the structural integrity of the tunnel was triple checked. I, I have no idea how it, how it ended up caving in, but they were further inside. I managed to make my way out a little bit, but in, in the midst of it, the, some of the rocks, I'm, I'm pinned back here. <laughs> it's painful. Do you have any water? Uh, yes, here's my can- canteen right here. Oh, thank you. Uh, my, I can't. Drink, you, drink slow. And you kind of pour it in her mouth and she like drinks it and like coughs a bit and then drinks a little more. She's like, thank you. Her lips are like super parched. She looks like she may have been at like this for like a day now. Oh. Um, uh, and uh, she she's like, you're like trying to like move some of the stuff away, but like it's it's not just like a matter of like picking up a rock and moving it. Like this is like fully like caked in. Like she's like buried in like sediment. I have, um, a, I have a crowbar. You do have a crowbar, uh, but as soon as you try to start working on it, she's like, no no no, please please don't don't don't. I'm. I, so I got lucky with the cave-in. It, uh, it, hasn't, um, it, it hasn't really injured me, just more uh, you know, constricted me. Um, but I'm afraid in any uh, haphazard removal uh, might just make it all come down. And, uh, and then, uh, uh, then I'm, I'm a goner. Um, it's, it's actually rather difficult to tunnel in like this. Um, we have special tools for it. Uh, of course, they're inside with uh, prof- the professor and Desmond, and judging by the fact that they haven't made an escape yet, I'm going to assume that maybe they were damaged in the cave-in. Um, or, she kind of closes her eyes, w- worse. Uh, but, uh, uh, for now, I'm holding out hope that they're all right. Uh, I can't imagine Franklin Carter would uh, let a cave-in kill him. (laughs) He'd refuse. (laughs) Um, Sorry, I'm babbling. I do that sometimes. Um, 
I can't just leave you here. No, please don't. Um, there's, there's more tools. We have a camp nearby. You could go there. You could get the tools there and then come back. All right. Um, okay. Where, where is it? It's uh, down uh, uh, the west path down this uh, canyon. It eventually slopes upward and then uh, uh, gives way. Um, uh, there, there, uh, right about there at the, at the entrance of the canyon, uh, when it levels out, that's, that's where we set up camp before we entered. Um, and, uh, that's where our stuff is. And, and, and like I said, there we have, uh, some fine tuned explosive charges and, uh, explosive charges. Yes. They're meant specifically to clear debris like this. This is. This is what we do. Please. This is I've studied my whole life doing things like this. I know what I'm talking about. All right. I'll I'll go get your tools. Um I'll I'll leave my my automaton with you. So, um so you can have some company. He's not very talkative, but at least you know I'll be coming back cuz I'm not going to leave him. And I take my hat off and put it next to her. <laughs> All right. You take off and the I, And I reach inside the the stovepipe and um flip a switch. Yeah. And uh, you set down the brass top head. You flip the uh, you flip the switch, and it goes whoop whoop. And uh, the eyes light up. And she's like, ah! and uh, 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 at the brim of the hat, folding out from underneath the hat, um, six little spindly uh, uh, telescoping uh, legs uh, go, and like a little like a little crab, Gerald the Hat <laughs> stands up and goes whoop. <laughs> Hello, Gerald. Woo -woo. Feeling better? Woo -woo. Good. Um, so this is my friend, Marianne. Hi. Woo. Uh, you're going to keep her company. Woo -woo. Okay. I'll, Woo -woo. I'll see. Stay here. I'll be right back. Woo -woo. Okay. And uh, yeah, you uh, you extend your wings and whoosh, float upwards. And uh, as you do, you hear Gerald. Is it? Woo -woo. Oh, well, let's see what we can do about deciphering that language. <laughs> <laughs> Whoop. <laughs> um, so I'll go back up to where... Uh, can I see where the pontoon is, the um, the skiff is? Yeah, I mean, you fly up where you were and you see uh, Zeke and oh, Barnabas. I, I thought I had traveled a little bit. You traveled a little bit, but not okay. very far. All right. Uh, so you fly up and you're just like, you know, 30 feet away from them as they finish putting back together the pontoon. Right. Um... Good job. Oh, no, that's backwards. Uh, it don't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, okay, so um, it seems that Team Towley is down there in a cave-in, not unlike the one we experienced earlier, um, and they're trapped, but I'm going to go get some of their uh, tools to clear the debris. I um, Yeah, so... Uh, All right, hop on. And I drive the pontoon skiff over there because right. it's surely faster. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you guys hop on the pontoon and uh, make a, uh, a, a drastic course change as you head west uh, following along the canyon. It does not take you much time to get there. Um uh, what can I see at the camp as we start to approach from very far away? Yeah. Uh, so you see, it's like a, it's like a really large, uh, like elegant tent, like octagonal in shape. It's uh, pretty tall. Um, and you see like out, 
uh, out on the front of it, um, you know, like the, you know, where like the fire pit was. Um, and there's like a couple like chairs that were folded out there. Um, and they've been tipped over. Uh, and, uh, that's about all you can see from where you are, uh, as you approach. Uh, it's like not in flames or anything like that. It's still there. They have a double decker tent. Yes, they do. That's nice. Also, it looks like maybe there was a struggle or just strong wind. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Shing. (laughs) (laughs) So we arrive and I guess I'll go into the tent and look for their supplies. Cool. Uh, You go into the tent and you very, very easily see uh, that it has been ransacked. Everything that can be open has been opened. Uh, the sheets and mattresses have been overturned. Um, basically anything of relative value has been removed, uh, that you can tell at least. So no shaped charges? No shaped charges and no excavation tools. Excellent. I look for footprints or any trace that might lead me to the culprit. Roll, uh, notice. Tier two. You definitely see, uh, uh, Basically, standing out in the um, uh, standing out in the uh, at the front, uh, you see uh, that like where the table was overturned, scraping through the ashes of the fireplace, uh, you see a footprint pointed in a direction. What kind of footprint? Uh, a large footprint, a, like big boot. The direction is not like inwards towards the uh, uh, the canyon. Well, if they took the things that uh, we need to get them out, I suppose we go after them. I, I'm really reluctant to leave her there. I guess we bring our brand of vigilante justice to whoever buried them alive in a cave. <laughs> Indeed. Because on the other side, it could be happening to us very soon. So yeah. we might as well deal with the problem while... It's available, and we have the jump on them. Yeah, maybe we just get every other team to owe us one, and they let us win. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps. He has a point. I'm going to start following these tracks. Can I, like, put the skiff in neutral and, like, coast along? Yeah, you can, like, you can put the sail down to, like, almost non-existent (laughs) and just kind of, like, edge along with uh, with Barnabas. I do. Okay. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) It's, we're in Redmond looking for people and Boomer's walking alongside the car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, wait until I throw a slimy shoe at you. Uh, Oh, no. (laughs) That shoe's Bioflux. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably a person. (laughs) The the scar wasn't from getting kicked with a radioactive, with getting kicked with radioactive magic. It was the bacteria from that shoe. (laughs) Um, So uh, you guys go, and uh, as you're going, you, you like, you like the the tracks basically become almost impossible to follow as you hit into the like into the actual sand. Um, like they've been like you can kind of see like traces of like maybe they were heading this way, but like given the footprint on the ash and like the couple like maybe like dragging uh, footprints you see in the sand that haven't completely been covered up, uh, you feel like you're heading towards some rocky bluffs that are not too far away. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, you guys start heading that way um going at the pace you're going it's like a 30 45 minute trek to to get to the rocky bluffs and at about the uh 20 minute mark as you're getting close um 
I want you guys to roll notice for me. Got a tier four. I got a four. I got a tier four. Whoa! What did you get, Barnabas? Also a tier four? I you, also yeah. got a 30. You both got tier fours with So 30s. between the three of us, we got a 64. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Zeke, you're like sitting there like fucking with the sales. I'm being, driving. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, Talia and Barnabas, you both notice a glint on the uh, rocky bluffs, uh, like sharp glint as if something is reflecting. And Barnabas, you know that glint. It is the glint of a scope. Uh, are there any rocks? No, you guys are out in the open on the desert. Get behind the skiff. Get behind the skiff. Uh, as he says that, Barnabas, I need you to roll evade. <laughs> hey, 15. Barnabas, uh, you soak up two of the damage, which means you take 18 damage. As uh, you you see, uh, he says, get behind the skiff. Get behind the skiff. Get behind the skiff. And as he turns to like kind of like push you guys that way, a bullet grazes his arm. And you see like the blood spurt from his arm. And then you hear <laughs> following it afterwards. I would like to return fire, please. Everyone needs to roll priority. I got a four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Barnabas, what did you get? Natural one for Barnabas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, Talia? Fifteen. All right. Uh, Talia, you're up first. Can I see who it is at all? Uh, without the help of like a, a scope of some kind? No. You saw a glint on top of the rocky bluffs and you maybe saw the muzzle flash right before Barnabas got hit. Okay, how far away are they? Uh, so uh, moving at your guys' grueling pace of like walking and looking for tracks, it was another like 10 minutes. So if you guys move at full speed, uh, you can get there relatively quickly. All right, well, then I'll stay on the skiff and hopefully I don't get shot. I move a little bit. Uh, yeah, you, you uh, assume a defensive position, uh, trying to make yourself uh, uh, slippery um, to uh, take some cover and uh, move in, in unpredictable ways. As you do, uh, Zeke, I need you to roll evade for me. 15. Okay, Zeke, I need you to roll defense for me. Uh, tier two, so I soak two damage. Okay, you take 28 damage. That's a lot. Yes. <laughs> as, uh, as again, the gun goes and um, uh, you're, you're sitting there um, uh, moving, like getting ready to like punch it and like put the sails up full and like make this thing zoom towards those bluffs so you guys can get out of this like terrible position you're in. Uh, and as you do that, um, a bullet breaks through the brim of uh, of or what was once the brim of Gerald's hat, uh, the controls that you're holding on to, like snapping them, not like breaking them and disabling them, but like definitely like putting a bullet hole through them. Barely misses you, like whizzing by your ear, you feel the wind of it and uh, and it like hits the mast behind you like with a, like, uh, with a ping and you're like, <laughs> Who's shooting at me? Oh, because you can see. I can see them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you, you. Uh, it is your turn. You, uh, you pull the lever so that the sail goes all the way up. You guys start flying, uh, like zooming forward, uh, catching the wind fully. Uh, and as you do that, Zeke, uh, you see, um, uh, following where that muzzle flash came from, you focus your eyes, zooming in with your gnomish vision, uh, and you see as uh, Galahad Glynn. Uh, 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 pulls a rifle up and ducks down uh, behind some rocks. 
how far away from him am I at the maximum I can move with this thing? At the end of your next turn, you'll be there. Okay. Yeah. I shoot him with my gun. Okay. And that's a 14. Uh, so, yeah, you, uh, you, that bullet whizzes by you, you pull the lever, the, the, uh, the sail goes up, you start flying, and as you do that, you take one hand off of the wheel, uh, you reach down, pull out your wooden pistol, and, like, level it over the, the steering wheel, uh, and that's right as he's, like, ducking down behind those rocks, you take a shot, and you see the rock that he's hiding behind, take the shot. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, you guys start flying forward, uh, Barnabas, it's you. This isn't the first sniper duel I've been in. So I can still shoot at him, right? But he's behind the rock. Uh, you look through your scope and uh, go ahead and roll cunning to see if you can spot him. 17, uh, tier two. Uh, so you look through your scope and you see the rocks that uh, that burst as Zeke shoots them. And like you think he's gone for a second. And then like you see the slightest bit of movement as he appears to be moving back and away. I take two shots at him. Here's the first shot. Okay. 15. Did you negate his cover bonus? Oh, how much do I negate it by? You do have that. You do have that ability, and that is important here because he has a plus eight right now <laughs> to evade. I may ignore cover bonus up to my skilled marksmanship. My skilled marksmanship is 11. Yeah, so he doesn't get a cover bonus from you. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you, uh, you wing him. You hit him in that little bit of arm that you see poking out behind the rock as he like is probably like climbing over another rock or something. His arm is swinging up and over, and you hit it. Uh, how much damage is that? 18. Yeah, you get a nice meaty chunk of, of, uh, of his uniform as you shoot and, uh, and hit him in the arm. Uh, you say you got a second shot? Yep. Uh, right as I fire, I reload and fire again as he's uh, reeling from the first one. Go for it. 24, tier 3. So how much damage is that? 27. So uh, with almost supernatural speed, uh, Talia, you've positioned yourself behind uh, behind one of the seats. Um, Zeke, you're you know hunkered down behind the steering wheel, like pushing it as, as fast as you can make it go. Um, and you see, uh, uh, Talia, you see next to you with the other seat, uh, Barnabas, pop up with his rifle and with almost supernatural speed, bang, like pull the trigger, immediately like discharge the, uh, the shell, pull the trigger again, just poof. Uh, almost like as if he didn't have to like shoulder the massive recoil of this rifle, uh, and uh, yeah, Barnabas, you you tag him twice in the arm, right as the that little bit of arm that's 120 feet away from you, uh, uh, dipping behind cover, uh, gets hit. I keep my scope on him. Okay, um, you guys uh, zoom on forward, uh, Talia. You're ready for another shot. It doesn't come. Uh, Zeke, you're keeping an eye out, you know, scanning the horizon. Uh, you don't see anything. Um, uh, Barnabas, you're doing the same. Seems like uh, like he's not poking his head up again. And you guys make it to the Rocky Bluffs. I, uh, I'm going to motion for them to follow me, and I'm going to go see what's going on up top. Yeah, I follow him. Of course. All right, Talia, you can just zoom right up. I zoom right up. Uh, Zeke and Barnabas, it's actually not that hard for you guys to get up. It seems like there's already been some handholds built into this uh, into this bluff for you guys to climb up. Uh, and uh, you start very quickly climbing it, like almost like it's a ladder. Um, and uh, uh, Talia, you get there first. And um, 
you land where he was. You can see the like bullet hole that that Zeke made, um, and you're looking around. Uh, you see the bullet hole. You don't see any sign of Galahad Glynn. Um, and then you hear, and uh, uh, you turn and coming up uh, up the other side of the rocky bluff and out from behind uh, the like little stalactites that are like poking up, like the boulders that are scattered all around this surrounding you. Uh, you see what looks like a dozen clockwork automatons, all wearing militarist uniforms with like various fatal injuries in them. Uh, uh, start to approach you. One group drops into formation and takes a shot at you. So I need you to roll evade. Sure. I rolled a five. Uh, so uh, you see as um, three of them move into formation together, leveling uh, rifles at you, and they all pull the trigger and you uh, you let your wings down, so you drop onto the ground and the bullets fly overhead. Uh, and then uh, to your left, another group seems to be armed with uh, guns, and they similarly move into a similar formation. Shoot, like two of them drop down to the knee, one stands over, and they take a shot at you. Uh, go ahead and roll evade again. 26. I got 27. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Talia, I need you to roll defense for me. Uh, seven. Okay, uh, so you take 17 damage to your hit points as uh, three bullets go and like uh, whiz by you and one of them uh, cuts through a part of your wings. Uh, not, dis what? not disabling it. There's a bullet in your wings, but it's not, it hasn't hit anything vital. Everything is vital. <laughs> Very efficient. Uh, uh, so yeah, uh, one of the bullets cracks into your wings and uh, lodges itself in there, but doesn't seem to like have disabled them or anything. And uh, one group has, uh, the group that's further away climbing up uh, over the over the slope uh, seems to be armed with swords and shields. Um, and uh, they can't seem to get to in time. They start like picking up their pace and moving towards you. Uh, but the other group, the group that is to your right, uh, also is armed with swords and shields and they bum rush you. Uh, so I need you to roll a vade again. All right. 19. Okay, you're fine. Uh, they, uh, you've, you turn towards them as they're approaching you. You've unsheathed your sword, and uh, they attack you in this, like, weird clockwork, like, uh, uh, formation where, like, one stabs, folds out of the way so the other one can slash, so that, and then folds out of the way so the other one can, like, shield bash and, and do, like, an overhead hack. Um, and, like, they, like, do it all real quick, and it's like real creepy to watch, but you are totally prepared for it. You parry one with your sword, catch the other with your with your cape, and then when the one comes down for the overhead slash, you just step out of the way. Uh, and they, like, move back to try and get into position so they can attack you again. Um, yeah, they miss. You drop into your hand so you have that extra uh, method of deflection. And uh, they attack you in this, like, weird clockwork, like, uh, uh, formation where, like, one stabs, folds out of the way so the other one can slash so that, and then folds out of the way so the other one can, like, shield bash and, and do, like, an overhead hack. Um, and, like, they, like, do it all real quick, and it's, like, real creepy to watch, but you are totally prepared for it. You parry one with your sword, catch the other with your with your cape, and then when the one comes down for the overhead slash, you just step out of the way. Uh, and they, like, move back to try and get into position so they can attack you again. Um, yeah, they miss. Um, so I'm going to spend uh, three AP to try and disarm all three of them. Uh, with parting waves? Yes. All right. Uh, roll up your grace. What'd you get? 18. 
All right, I got a 13. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Talia, they, they are starting to move back, and you just immediately uh, uh, move in as they're like, you you know how clocks work, clockworks work. That was their thing. They did the thing that they can do, and they start moving back so that they can do it again, and you're like, no way, and you move in, and you just, like, really quickly, like, catch one's uh, uh, saber, like, at the handguard and flip it out of its hand. Uh, its hand goes with it. <laughs> uh, you then uh, catch the other ones with your uh, uh, cape, push it down to the ground, and it just, like, the sword clatters, and then you just swipe swipe at the other one, just smacking it, and it just spins out and falls to the ground. And all three of these automatons step back into formation, disarmed. <laughs> and uh, Zeke, you're up. Great. You crest over the top, and you see uh, Talia beset upon by what looks like a dozen, uh, a dozen different automatons. Two, uh, two groups of three with firearms, a group of three down a ways that's uh, charging at her with swords and shields, and one group of three that is uh, uh, beside her, moving in like as if they're going to attack her, raising up hands that don't have swords. <laughs> All right, and no sign of Galahad Glenn anywhere within my vi- vision range. Uh, no, it doesn't seem like it. All right. Uh, I, can I get to, um, one of the gun squads? Cause I'm pretty sure Talia can handle swords and shields. Uh, yes, you can. Um, there's one that's like, so the Talia, Talia in that one group of swords and shields is between you and another, uh, directly ahead, having jumped out from behind some rocks, there was a group of guns, but also, pretty close to you to your left there is a group of three that has flanked talia and is reloading their muskets all right yeah i'm gonna use flickering on them okay uh so do you you roll swashbuckling okay and so you run up to them uh with your staff yeah all right go ahead i'm gonna do stick karate at them (laughs) uh that's a 19 to hit I got an 18. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, you hit and you're using flickering? Yeah, so I do two attacks. Yes. You do two attacks I at... Do two attacks at tier one damage, which is eight. Okay. You run at them. Uh, they don't seem to take heed of you at first because they're trying to line up a shot on Talia. And then right as you get, like, at a certain range within all of them, they, like, snap their heads towards you. And, like, their their heads turn and then their torsos turn with their heads. Uh, and they like look like they're coming at you, and you kind of slide down on one knee and go like smack, smack. Uh, two little jabs with your uh, with your staff, uh, hitting them in the in the gut, and you see like little like dents and like one uh, little spring goes <laughs> out of his gut. Um, and uh, Barnabas, you're up. Um, well, first things first, I'm gonna hide behind a rock because I am very injured and tired and old. <laughs> so, so you go up behind a rock partly for cover and partly for support <laughs> so I'm going to shoot the short sword and shield guys uh, since I moved I'm going to take aim tier 3 for uh, 27 damage yeah you hit him alright so Barnabas uh, Barnabas loads a few bullets into his gun as he runs into cover and he pops up and he shoots 3 shots in quick su- succession uh, bang, bang, bang! Uh, quickly reloading, as demonstrated earlier, at the uh, incoming sword and shield clockworks. 
yeah, you you uh, fire off three quick shots. Um, one just disarm, like makes one of the shields just boom, fall to the ground. Uh, the uh, the other goes like straight through, blowing a, a huge hole in one of their stomachs. Uh, gears and oil flying everywhere. Um, and then the other one like clips uh, the third one's head, so it falls onto its shoulder. Uh, still attached by some of like the the workings, but definitely like l- lobbing around on the shoulder. Uh, but they continue moving forward. Um, and uh, Talia, you're up. Um, all right. Do you have any? You have an action point. I have right? an action point which I use to move. Sure. Can I take cover behind the shield guys? Uh, yeah, you can like swirl your way around so that you've interposed those three disarmed shield guys uh, between cover. you and the other uh, gunmen. I yeah, should, I should like to shoot that very much. Sure, sure. You use your your one action point uh, to. Spin around like dancing, and they they do like swing at you a little bit, like with a shield, and you like duck underneath it, sliding and like popping up and like roll and like diving forward and rolling uh, to avoid like their random swings as they like try to re orchestrate their formation uh, to face you. And uh, then they uh, then they're gonna actually swing at you. They uh, they get their formation back in, and uh, they like sit there for a second. You see them like click click click, click, and then they uh, basically go from looking like they're right-handed to looking like they're left-handed, raising up their shields as if they're swords, and then swing at you with their shields. All right. Um, so I need you to roll evade. Uh, Zeke, the the ones you have stabbed at a bit, uh, they uh, level their guns at you uh, as you like stand up from your sliding attack, uh, and they're all going to shoot at you, so I need you to roll evade. Um, and uh, Barnabas, the gun guys further down the way, uh, saw, heard and saw, or seemed to register your gunshots to, to, towards their friends, and they're going to fire on you. So I need you to roll evade. Uh, Bar- Bar- Barnabas, you are you uh, managed to find uh, some light cover. Uh, there was all of they're all basically next to what would have made up the medium and heavy cover. So you found like a nice like a nice like smaller like rock that you could kind of like kneel down behind to give yourself a little bit of cover. Talia, what did you what did you get? I rolled a twenty-eight. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They they again swing at you with the shields, missing you completely. Um so I'd like to spend three action points disarming <laughs> them of their shields as well. Sure. Okay. Uh go ahead and roll your grace. That's fifteen. Yeah, uh, so they they swing at your at, at you with these shields, but they're swinging them like they swung the swords. It's the same uh, same motive, and you are totally ready for that because you know how clockworks work. You know that sword's gonna come in as a, or that shield's gonna come in as a stab. So you just catch that and fling it over your head, and then that one folds out of the way so the other one can slash at your waist with your shield, and you just catch that and push it out of the push it off of the arm, and then it folds away, and the other one comes comes down for the overhead attack, and you uh, catch that with your sword digging your sword into it a little bit, and when it pulls its arm back, it's just stuck on the sword, and you just drop your sword down, and it falls onto the ground. Uh, and then they move back into formation again. Zeke, what did you get? I got a nine. Uh, yeah, Zeke, you get hit. Roll defense for me. I soak two damage. Okay. Uh, Zeke, you take ten hit point damage as uh, they basically, you, you stab them both, and you step back, and you're like, ha, ah, I'm good at this. And then, uh, and then they all three... Level the rifles at you at the exact same moment, 
and uh, and you kind of like go and jump off to the side, kind of doing this roll. And uh, uh, when you stand back up, you see three bullet holes in your ropes. <laughs> I these are not easy to replace. <laughs> Barnabas, what did you get? Fourteen. Barnabas, roll defense for me. Yeah, tier one. Okay, so you soak up one damage. So Barnabas, you take eleven hit point damage. I'm going into wounds. Okay. Uh, uh, all right. Yeah, uh, Barnabas, uh, you uh, see them leveling the rifle. Their rifle. You you drop down, um, getting loading three more rounds into your uh, into your rifle, like trying to decide where you're going to shoot next. And then there's um, uh, a sharp pain in the side of your head uh, as the bullet uh, cuts your ear. Uh, shooting through like part of the top of your ear and uh, and you feel the sharp pain uh, and uh, there's a ringing sound in your head and you are uh, deafened which means you have a minus two on on evade and anything else that requires listening uh, until your next breather ouch uh, and uh, Zeke and Talia you look over and you see Barnabas has a grazing cut along uh, his cheekbone up to his ear and uh, he has uh, part of his ear is missing. Oh no, Mr. Gunsby, are you all right? Mew. Map. Map. Talia, the final group, the ones with the swords and shields who have been running in, uh, they clash in with you as well. Uh, you've, you feel pretty confident against these three because uh, you know their rotation. And then these new three automatons, you have six automatons on, on you. Uh, I mean... Three of them are, have no sword and no shield, uh, but the other ones are fully armed, uh, though very, very, very hurt. Uh, they run at you like, like kind of like haphazardly, and you see like you know they're very beat up. Uh, uh, like one is just like leaving a trail of oil behind it, and uh, yeah, what do you? Uh, or no, not what do you do? Uh, and but they even then. They still swing at you. Uh, different rotation of attacks. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you uh, you uh, got to roll evade. Twenty. Talia, they uh, they drop into a formation. You notice it's a different formation, and so you you realize, okay, it's not going to be the same round of attacks. What is it? Uh, and while the uh, while the uh, orientation of the attacks is different, the tempo is the same, and so you pick up on that and you uh, you evade all the attacks. This time, two of them stab at the same, uh, uh, at like almost the same spot. Just like one stab, two stabs, same exact spot. Um, and you uh, deflect both of those with your sword. And then the other one comes like around the side. Uh, and you catch that with your cloak and push it out of the way. Uh, and you step back in your perfect form fighting stance. Um, Zeke, your turn. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to start whistling at the gun robots <laughs> I'm not fighting. <laughs> Okay, roll accuracy for that. That's a 21. Okay, how much damage is that? It's 18 initial damage. Yeah, uh, you start whistling and you guys look up to see what's going to come. And nothing comes for a second. And then you hear... And out of like what you didn't notice before was uh, like holes in the, in the ground here. Bats whoosh, shoot up out of this, uh, out of this rocky bluff. Uh, and start surrounding that uh, uh, that group of uh, of automatons who honestly don't know how to react, <laughs> um, and they start getting like 
pu- pushed and shoved and like and like the bats are like bumping into them and like messing them up like turning their heads around and stuff um and uh yeah they're they're pretty pretty beat up um all right and then i hit these robots with my stick okay that's a nine on accuracy okay so uh that you go uh, you see that and you're like really excited that you just summoned a swarm of bats to beat up on guys and you kind of like turn you're like oh yeah i have these guys to fight too and you swing your stick to like smack them one seems to drop into its melee protocol and holds its rifle like a staff and counters you uh catching your staff with its rifle and parrying the blow away uh barnabas you're up is there any heavier cover at all get behind if you run closer to where talia is fighting you can get behind the rocks that uh that one group of swords and shields came out from behind all right i'm gonna do that um i'm gonna do that and as i'm laying behind the rock i'm gonna shoot around talia and take out the three that's fighting her the the three uh the three really beat up ones but uh otherwise un, um still armed uh yeah uh, just barely, you uh, you hit them. They seem uh, they track your movement as you get behind the rocks, and uh, they all drop into like a phalanx formation as you're about to take your shot, lifting up their shields. Um, but you manage to uh, take that extra bit of uh, of a half second before you pull the trigger to adjust your aim to shoot around their shields and hit them. Uh, all three shots land on vital parts, and uh, you shoot each one of them, and uh, with each shot one automaton goes down and that group of automatons is now junk i'm just going to lay here for a second (laughs) i shall move okay so i have cover with the these melee guys sure uh yeah so you reposition yourself giving yourself some good cover between the unarmed uh melee bots and the uh uh the two groups of gun bots. Uh, speaking of the gun bots, um, Zeke, uh, I need you to roll evade. And um, Talia, I need you to roll evade. Uh, you have uh, poor cover, um, which gives you a plus two. Uh, Zeke, what'd you get? I got a nine. Okay. Uh, they they block your blow. Uh, and then they, uh, they, that one, that one automaton blocked your blow, like seeming to drop into its melee, uh, protocol and immediately all the other ones step back in a different stance, getting their fingers off the trigger and pressing a button on the, on the front of their guns and bayonets shoot out of each gun. And they all three stab at you in formation and you, uh, you kind of do like a standing, uh, like flip, like not really changing the, like. Position. I plant my staff yeah, and you, like cartwheel over it. You vault your staff up in the air and kind of like just spin in the air and land back where you were, and all three spears miss you. Uh, Talia, you get shot at. Right. What'd you get? Uh, 22. Yeah, they miss you. <laughs> uh, they seem not to be able to uh, really aim at you, given the fact that you are behind their compatriots, and they appear to have some kind of uh, protocol that makes them not just shoot their own. Uh, and so all the bullets can't seem to make purchase to you. But the... Uh, uh, the three, the three in front of you, who you've disarmed twice, they sit there for a second, click, 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 and then they enter like boxing stances, and they run at you and start punching at you. Right. <laughs> I just have to literally disarm them. What'd you get? Twenty-four. I rolled this one day. <laughs> uh, yeah, Talia, they they come in to punch you, and uh, you just 
duck and weave, bob and weave. You you spin around them, you dance in between them and jump back out, and they don't really seem to know how to follow you. They're like, wait, fight us. And they miss you entirely. And Zeke, you're up. The robots with bats on them take nine damage. Oh. And then I flicker on these robots. That's a 17. Yeah, you hit them. All right, I flicker. Okay. Uh, that's three attacks at eight damage each. Okay. Um, so uh, you see as the bats you're, you've called to your aid uh, continue to uh, chomp and pull down at these uh, at these uh, automatons. Actually, a couple of the bats have found, you know, like squeezed their way on the insides and are like like pushing out like uh, uh, like. Um, uh, cog works and stuff and like you see like a bat covered in oil like fly out and shake its head like ah <laughs> um, and then you turn and you uh, with three very quick like uh, jabs uh, you like just like bang 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 and hit each three of these automatons uh, one ch- one of their chassis cracks and uh, oil starts leaking out of it and um, and the other ones like are like severely dented like one you actually hit in the arm its arm is like kind of twisted the wrong way now um, Barnabas you're up I'll help Talia out, I reckon. Okay. Uh, so, like, uh, it's very bloody, and it's running down the side of his face and into his shirt. Uh, but he's got to help his friends. He can't He can't leave them behind. He'd rather die. So he, uh, he puts three more rounds in to top it off, pulls his rifle up, and uh, shoots the shit out of these things. Okay, roll accuracy. 21. Yeah, you hit. Uh, how much damage is that? 27. So uh, you load up the three rifles, you let out like a breath, and you step up from behind uh, behind your cover, uh, like blinking away the blood uh, the blood that's flecked up into your, into your right eye, and uh, you uh, line up your shot, bang, 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 really quickly, just supernatural, like shoot, reload, shoot, reload, shoot, reload, and... Um, uh, you see Talia as these uh, these three boxing robots like stand back and like raise up to like give you like a, a joined haymaker, and then each shot tung, 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 takes down one of them, and they all fall down. Well done, Mister Gunsby. I just I just uh, kind of nod and smile. I have no idea what she said. <laughs> yeah, as the I'm, ring, you saw her like turn to you and say something, and it looked very positive. Uh, <laughs> but all you hear is. <laughs> Okay. And then I fire three more shots into Zeke's little bucklings that he's fighting. Oh shit, you have action points left? Yeah, dude, there's only two. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Tier two. Alright, you hit. How much damage is that? Eighteen. Uh Zeke, uh these three uh the the automatons, they uh they set back. Um they click for a second and they decide, you know what, maybe not stabbing this little thing. And they press the buttons on their uh, on their rifles. The bayonets slap back in and they shoulder the rifles to shoot at you. Um, but because they were melee fighting you, they actually kind of like spread around you. So they have you like completely surrounded. You look around for a moment to like jump out of the way. You're like, maybe if I jump at exactly the right time. And then there's bang, bang, bang. And all three of them just like have no heads. And their like bodies just like sit there pointing their guns at you for a second and then just teeter over and fall. I give Gunsby the thumbs up. <laughs> I I do it back and then slump down behind the rock. <laughs> Talia, it's your turn. Um, and uh, 
basically you see the swarm of at- uh, the automatons being swarmed by the bats. They're fucked. They're gonna die. <laughs> uh, but then you look at the rocky bluff adjacent to it. There's basically like a path between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see the form of Galahad Glynn step into view from behind a rock. And uh, he like cocks a rifle and like uh, seems to be about to like aim at you guys. It's your turn. It's my turn? Yep. All right. Um, so uh, if I wanted to kick one of the shields um, towards Barnabas, mm-hmm. is that a thing I could yeah. But that cost an action point, or can I do it as part of like my move? It can be part of your move. Okay. I'm fine with that. And then how far away is Galahad Glenn? Uh, he is 30, 35 feet. Is it 30 or 35 feet? We'll go with 30. Okay, so um, I kick uh, Mr. Gunsby the shield. Hopefully it gets to him and he's like... Yeah, Barnabas, you uh, you slump down, uh, like, sitting with your back against the rock and you just see a shield go shink and, like, slide next to you. And then, Talia, you pick up a shield for yourself. Uh-huh. Okay. And then with my sword, I am going to run straight at Mr. Glynn. Okay. Um, with my charging ram ability. Sure. And stab him. Okay. Uh, roll accuracy. 33. Well, okay then. Uh, yeah, you hit him. <laughs> Go ahead and roll strike. <laughs> okay. 17. Okay. So, uh, uh, Talia, you, uh, uh, you see Galahad, uh, like, sitting there. And uh, he's got like a grin on his face, and he raise he starts raising up his rifle to like shoot at you guys. You uh, spread out your wings, and then like feet like gra- grazing the ground, pushing yourself forward, wings propelling you forward. You uh, clear the little gap between these two uh, bluffs, uh, and just get right in his face faster than he ex- he seems to have expected. He kind of pulls back, unsure what to do. You ram your sword into him, uh, not hitting him fully center mass, uh, but hitting him like torso, like on the his uh, hitting his torso on like the right side, uh, like cutting in nice and deep, going through. Uh, and uh, you have another action point. So yeah, and then I'll punch him in the face, uh, knee him in the groin. Sure. <laughs> roll, uh, roll accuracy. So that's twenty-one. Yeah. Uh, that hits. Roll strike for me. Four. <laughs> Alright, since it's an unarmed attack, that does two damage. Alright, so, uh, you see him, he's, like, looking right at you in the eyes as you have your sword at him, mm-hmm. and then you raise up your knee to, like, knee him, and you, uh, and you kind of hit him in the gut and pull him off your sword, uh, and he steps back and drops his gun, and he's, like, head t- twitches, his head twitches again, and you look at your sword and you see black oil on his sword, and uh, and then he goes like, and just like crumples down. And as he does, you see uh, like the in the the wound that you made uh, on the uniform. There's uh, there's a little like clicking uh, metal gear that's like clicking a couple times and then stops. And you realize you have just charged and stabbed a very lifelike automaton of Galahad Glynn. Uh, upon closer inspection, the, uh, the uniform is definitely fake. It's not authentic. And his, uh, his face has a very, very limited, uh, uh, facial expressions. It has that grin and then it has like blank stare. (laughs) 
Uh, all right. And Zeke, your bats disperse, leaving uh, just a pile of wreckage on the ground. They kind of like float up in the air, spin around, and then start flying back down into their holes in the ground. Great. I go back to Mr. Gunsby. Sure. Oh, I'll take this. I'll take this gun. Sure. You grab it. You realize it definitely wasn't the gun that was shooting at you guys before. It's not a very good gun. Oh, I don't take it. It's just like a standard gun. It doesn't even have a scope on it. Which we definitely knew. Okay. Well, that's... Is he around somewhere? Um, I get up to the highest point I can find and look around for him. Sure. Uh, you do that. Roll notice for me. Five. Okay. Yeah. You look around. You don't, you don't seem to see any sign of him anywhere, but what you do see having like climbed your way up to one of the like larger boulders on the top of the bluff, uh, you do see behind the bluffs a little ways. There is a little like camp, like a, a tented, uh, a tented camp. There's a camp this way. Maybe we should bring Barnabas over there and patch up his ear. Is there any way to help Mr. Gunsby sort of Maybe. Don't worry, I've made bandages out of some of my clothing. <laughs> <laughs> this particular set is ruined anyway. Um, all right, so I'm going to take the bandages that Mr. Gunsby hands me and I'm going to wrap his head um, with, you know, so to stop the bleeding. Sure. Stuff. Do, and is this a breather? No. Yeah, your hit points come back. Okay. And then we'll, we'll go to the camp and check it out. Yeah, uh, so you look around the camp. Uh, it's a small tent, modest tent, um, uh, without really, uh, uh, without really like having to look very hard. Uh, you do see what seems like some kind of vehicle track driving off away, a little two-wheeled vehicle of some kind uh, leaving, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it seems like he left in a hurry, like. Not it's not completely ransacked. <laughs> not everything that can be opened was opened. There's like a foot locker that was opened and emptied apparently. Um and uh you do find like in one of the corners like a sack that has what looks like some explosive charges. And uh then next to that what the sack is leaning against is like this large metal contraption. Uh uh that you assume, Talia, with your knowledge of machinery, uh, is probably the uh tool that Marianne Smallthorne was referring to. We go save them. <laughs> yeah, so we'll um, take all the things that seem important, be careful of the explosives, and <laughs> um, and uh, pack it all onto the skiff. Um, I don't really care about what this camp was. It was obviously where Mr. Glynn was hiding. Um, I, I actually keep one of the shields. It seems like not a terrible idea. Sure. And then um, we'll take this gift back and then head down into the canyon uh, to hopefully save a still living Marianne Smallthorne. All right. Well, as you guys load up the skiff, looking, one, taking one last look behind you to see the, uh, the wreckage of the automatons on top of that bluff and uh, uh, no sign of Galahad Glenn. He must have escaped on some vehicle. Uh, you set sail and start careening across the sand. Um, Barnabas t- tenderly touching his, his ear under the bandage. Um, and uh, you uh, quickly approach the canyon to try and save Team Tally. And that's where we'll end this session.
This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, sponsored, or specifically approved by Cracked Monocle Gaming. Tefra, the steampunk RPG, is a trademark of Cracked Monocle Gaming. All rights reserved. Go to www.crackedmonocle.com for more information.